Welcome to the Bedpost Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Erin Pym, and what I like to do here on the podcast is bring fun and sexy guests into the studio to have in-depth conversations about sex and sexuality. And today, um, you know, quarantine, that (laughs) whole thing. (laughs) So uh, I don't have someone in person in the studio, but I have a fantastic, lovely guest uh, here with me over Skype. And I'm trying a new audio thing. So, uh, you know, let me know if this is working for you. I feel like it's going to be a lot better than the remote, the previous remote episodes I've been doing. So hope you like it, everybody. Without further ado, I'm going to introduce uh, a guest who has been on the podcast uh, several times at this point, and I've been like <laughs> looking for a way and a reason and, uh, um, you know, the, what, uh, the courage, perhaps. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> Aaron, ask... come on anytime, anytime. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> and the lovely voice you're hearing, of course, is sex writer and podcaster. She is the co-host of the Dildorks and the Question Box podcast. Please welcome to the mic, everyone, Kate Sloan. Hi, thank you for having me back. Honestly, yeah, I uh, I get social anxiety about it. And I'm like, has it been, is it too short? Has it been too long? Do they still know who I am? <laughs> Yeah, well, like, the podcast is fine because I have an endless amount of things to say about the topics of your show, but, like, what stresses me out more is, like, when you want me to do music for the show, not, or, like, your live show, and it's not because I don't like to do that, it's just because I don't write songs very often anymore, so I'm like, these people have heard these songs before, but this is totally fine. Okay, good. Glad I only give you a lot of stress in in one avenue of bedpost. (laughs) No, I mean, it's delightful, and honestly, everybody has been so nice every time that it has greatly diminished that anxiety for me because it's like maybe they have heard it before and maybe they forgot or maybe they liked it the first time and they're happy to hear it again exactly that's totally the case because you're an absolutely fantastic songwriter beautiful singer and you're a joy to have you know both here on the pod and then also on the stage show obviously thank you thank you so much so today we're coming together kind of with a topic-based episode um i i shot you an email um, because I wanted to do, you know, something that's kind of related to COVID-19, but not just talking about it because kind of everyone's doing that right now. And maybe we all feel kind of, you know, like all our media is kind of oversaturated with stuff like that. But I still wanted to offer, you know, people maybe some help and insight into what you may be going through at this time. So I mm-hmm. sp- kind of wanted a, a related topic. So I approached you with this idea of talking about long distance relationships. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's very weird that like this this time period obviously is a huge shift in lifestyle for almost everyone. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's like actually not that much of a practical difference in my day to day because I'm a freelancer who works from home and I'm in a long distance relationship. So it's like, already pretty good at the social distancing thing but uh there's just a a little bit less going outside these days yeah totally um and one of your posts that kind of struck me you have a great twitter feed that everyone should follow um (laughs) which we'll plug at the end of the pod uh you kind of said you know something along those lines where you're you don't feel like your whole schedule routine has been completely uprooted however it's like there are small things that you do miss. You're like, I would go get a coffee. You know, I would Mm -hmm. take a small walk to go to the bank. I would, you know, so like Mm -hmm. little breaks in my day, those I can't, I don't have anymore, which is like, uh, you've kind of been noticing how essential those were to like balance and your mental health, right? Yeah, because it's like, it's like the thing about how you, you get some of your best ideas when you're in the shower or when you're walking or when you're doing something that's sort of repetitive and, and slightly outside of 
your routine like when you're away from the computer is when you often have like really good creative ideas I find yeah and uh I'm just in a space now where like I'm not really ever that far from my computer um (laughs) and I'm really missing that and like realizing how much that was like a critical part of um not only my creative process but also like my mental health management strategies and I'm sure that a lot of people are are finding some some difficulties with that these days um but uh, I've been going for some some walks that's good far away from people so yeah that's helpful yeah for me it's interesting um I stopped doing a day job where like you go somewhere for you know Mm -hmm. four or five days a week I stopped that in like November so I think I experienced a huge shift at that time where I Mm -hmm. was suddenly just doing you know you know the podcast and uh, all the other little bedpost things that I do um but just doing like a f- couple pro-doming appointments a week and the rest I had free time at home <laughs> so I think I went through a lot of like what people are experiencing now I went through that like back in November I feel like I had to be okay with being at home and I had to kind of find a way to separate work and relaxation and try to achieve balance for myself and like uh yeah just the fact that I didn't have a schedule and to just try and figure all that out so it was funny I had this conversation with uh, my partner my partner Matt we both have a Matt um (laughs) about that because you know right now he's like I don't go and do improv Um, And that's like one of my things I do to feel creative and satisfied and relaxed and social. And that's been taken away. So it's like really difficult. And I'm like, yeah, and just kind of explain this idea. But um, but yeah, Mm -hmm. good to hear that you're doing all right. And you're finding ways of coping. What 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 kind of specifically are you doing? um, You know, any time where you're like, oh, geez, I wish I could just go for a walk and get a coffee or sit in a cafe and work for a couple hours what are you doing to uh, help Um, help get get those kind of same feelings or breaks in your day yeah it's tough because my apartment is very very small yeah um so like if I want to go somewhere that's not out I can like walk to the kitchen which is like 15 or 20 feet I don't know um (laughs) but like taking a break to just mentally switch tasks for a while I still find is helpful and is a version of the thing we were talking about with like going to get a coffee or whatever so like if I go to the kitchen and like make a cup of tea which takes a few minutes or like cook something or go hang out with my roommate's cats or uh have a conversation with a friend or um I'm also finding it really helpful to limit my access to social media for periods of time. Um, So, like, on on the iPhone, there's a feature called Downtime where you can select which apps you want to be available during downtime and which you don't. And I basically turn off everything except for, like, entertainment, like, games and music and podcasts, as well as, like, communication with my very closest people. So, like, texting and and the phone and FaceTime. Um, And everything else I... I shut off access to because otherwise I would just be like scrolling the Twitter feed, like working myself into a panic and like, we're doing enough of that. We don't need to be doing that all the time. Totally. Yeah. No, great advice. Um, so maybe, okay. Since we're, we're going to talk about long distance relationships, I'm sure, I'm sure what is happening now in the world is going to, you know, come up a lot, but, uh, let's start with maybe letting people know your current situation with your long distance relationships. Like what are, what is your setup and what is like a day in the life look like for you? Yeah, sure. So I live in Toronto and my partner of slightly over two years, Matt lives in New York And um, we go back and forth uh, fairly often if we can to see each other for like a weekend or sometimes I go down there and stay for longer, which I can do because I work from home. Um, And when we're not together, we will like text each other in the morning and then like usually text each other throughout our day, which is nice to like stay feeling connected. And then almost always at night we have a phone call. which is just, it just has the vibe of, like, when you get home from a hard day of work and your partner who you live with is there and you're just are like, what happened to you today? And, like, how are you feeling? And, like, do you want to watch a movie? And it's just, like, it very much has created that same sense of stability for me in a way that I always imagined was not possible in an LDR. So yeah. uh, that's one of the things that has made LDRs really uh, possible for me when, when I previously had said that I was never going to get into one. 
Yeah. And, and is there a reason that you had kind of said that to yourself previously before getting into this relationship? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, the two main things are attention and physical touch. And I was like, I don't think I can get adequately enough of either of those things in an LDR. Um, but first of all, you can certainly get a lot of attention from your partner in an LDR. I do think it demands a certain type of personality because not everybody is great about texting and staying in touch and making someone feel loved from far away, but like certainly it is possible. And then the other thing is that you can also do a lot of sex things without being physically together. So I have a ton of phone sex and that has been uh, every bit as satisfying to me as in-person sex. Uh, So yeah, the LDR life is like not necessarily the worst. If you could choose, would you... um you know, morph this relationship into something where you are seeing each other on a more regular basis or like that you are maybe doing a live-in situation with your partner? Is that something that you desire or wish for this relationship or no? Um, Yeah, we do have plans for that in the long term. Um, Our plan is that we want me to move to New York um, so we can be together and do all the fun, like living together and marriage things eventually. But um Right now, that's kind of been thrown into chaos because the world is a mess. So I don't know when or if that will happen, but that is is the plan. Yeah, because what's imminent right now uh, apparently is supposed to kind of happen on this weekend is that the border will be like limited, limitedly closed between the U.S. and Canada. So what are you feeling about that? Yeah, it's very stressful. Um, I have my partner here with me now. Because we kind of were like, they're probably going to close the border. Maybe you should fly up here real quick. Um, And we're still kind of deciding what we want to do because like they can they can fly back and they can probably get home just fine. But then like we will both be alone in our separate apartments and we don't know when we will be able to get together again. So, Uh, uh, yeah, it's kind of a catch 22 right now. Yeah, I hear you. It's interesting, actually. I. uh... Uh, previous to this uh, happening, have had like no experience with LDRs, like really Mm -hmm. no experience with LDRs. And what happened with me is somebody who I started to date a few months ago, they uh, went on a vacation abroad. So they were in Hawaii for like two weeks. And Mm -hmm. then all of this happened over those two weeks. And then, uh, thankfully, they were able to fly home. So they're now here safe in Toronto. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're going to observe the uh, recommended, you know, two-week quarantine in their house because they've just returned from abroad. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm practicing social distancing and isolating anyways. So it will have been, you know, at the minimum of this, it will have been a month um, before mm-hmm. I get to see him again, right? So I'm mm-hmm. kind of uh, figuring out exactly all the things you were saying, like how we can still stay connected, like on the daily basis and through texting and whatnot. Like we text a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, we send pics a lot, even like, like obviously, yes, lewds, but also, <laughs> um, but also just like pics of each other's faces or like, yeah, because we... you start to miss their face. Yes. And um, like even short little videos, just like a good morning video, you know, mm-hmm. um, or a good night video or something like that um, yeah. has been really valuable to me. Is that stuff that you two do on the regular? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that surprised me about LDRs when we first started dating more seriously is what you were just talking about with pictures of faces, because uh, it's not something that I super used to do a lot with my local partners before this, um, because, I don't know, like, I just saw you last Tuesday, like, I don't, I I know what your face looks like, Um, (laughs) but there is something about it that is just so comforting and it's also like if you send a picture of your face while you're at something that you're going to or while you're doing a particular activity it can make your partner feel like they're there with you and 
yeah, it's just nice. I think I have probably thousands of photos of Matt's face on my phone, and I like to look through them when I'm feeling sad. <laughs> oh my god, yes, that too. I save them, and like I save my favorites, and I like look through them when I'm just like, I need to see your face. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's funny. Um, the thing about you know being a place and taking the picture. Um, recently he was like, while he was away, he was like in this beautiful pool, just kind of hanging, chilling by himself, um, in a pool. Mm -hmm. Um, and (laughs) it's funny that, that I didn't think of how like, you know, salient this would be, but he took a picture of himself, like immediately in that pool as we were texting. And he's like, this is, this is what, this is me talking to you right now. And just to pick a picture Mm -hmm. like of his face, just chilling in the pool. And I was like, oh, that's so valuable (laughs) yeah yeah recently Matt was uh in New York and was going to an improv show that I really love to go to there Mm. and I was saying like I'm sad that I can't go with you and they sent me a picture of them sitting in our usual spot with like an empty seat next to them and they said like saved you a seat and I was like don't make me cry (laughs) (laughs) oh my god totally and okay um Something that I'm also doing with my LDR because we have like a kink dynamic. I understand mm-hmm. you also have some sort of a kink <laughs> dynamic. Would you maybe want to tell us a little bit about what that is? Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, I have like a DS dynamic with my partner. Um, they are my dominant um, in like a 24 7 sense, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am the submissive. And so I think like one of the main ways that that manifests for us when we're apart is uh, protocol, which mm-hmm. is like setting rules uh, that certain things happen at certain times. Like, for example, um, I, I have to take an iron pill every day because I'm mildly anemic. And we used to have a protocol where uh, if I texted my partner, I took my iron, they would send me a picture of their face as a reward, which actually has successfully trained me into (laughs) taking the pill much more consistently than I was doing before. I love that. Um, Yeah. And then we also have protocols around uh, my collar, which I know that like collars are important for a lot of kinky people and particularly seems like a lot of kinky people in LDRs. Yeah, Yeah, because it's like it's a physical thing you have. Right. That you can touch, that you can feel on you, that is like a symbol of your partner, right? Is that how it feels to you? Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's it's romantic because it's this uh, symbol of like commitment and dedication. And it also is this thing that makes me feel like my partner is with me when I have to do things that are stressful or when I'm sad. Um, and it's it's similar to another thing we also do, which is like leaving each other clothes uh of ours so that like oh for the I mean, smell I, yeah the smells oh, are important that's so and also important i can just like yeah i can i can like wear one of matt's shirts and feel like they're like holding me and yeah physical items are good if you if you're able to exchange them oh that idea with like keeping a shirt you know wearing a shirt for a couple days and keeping it there that is like really that that i love that so much yeah. smell, smell to me is like smelling your partner is like that's what I do when I need to relax is like, I like a huff their <laughs> neck. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, exactly. I, I used to sometimes keep Matt's shirts in like a Ziploc bag just so that I could hold on <laughs> to the scent for longer, which is very creepy, but it worked. <laughs> Sealing the freshness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it so much. And, um, <laughs> do you see like for your collar, um, do you see that as kind of like, how, this is how I kind of see um, collars, like one, because there are a lot of ways you can look at collaring, right? And a lot of ways that mm-hmm. people can practice it and whatnot. How mm-hmm. I see it and how I tend to practice it with my partners is that it's like, kind of like a promise ring. You know, it's mm-hmm. a, like you said, it is, it's like a symbol of commitment, like getting, you know, how, you know, vanilla folks and relationships might get their partner a piece of jewelry to wear, like a, a right. bra- bracelet or a necklace or a ring, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I view it as like a kinky version of that. Is that something yeah. that you resonates with you? Yeah, yeah, I think definitely. Um, and I think also like, 
I, I've not always played with callers in this way. Like, I certainly have some that I think of more as play callers. Like, usually they're more, mm-hmm. like, durable, so you can actually, like, tug someone around by them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've definitely, like, used those with casual partners when I was craving some particular kinky thing that I felt like wearing a collar would be helpful with, uh, whether it's, like, pet play, attaching a leash, or, like, yeah. just being, like, pulled around or whatever. But um, having a collar that is, like, a symbol of a relationship in this way is just, like, a different thing. It has a different intention, uh, and that changes the whole vibe, and it is just, like, a very precious item to me. And are you still, um, is your day collar still the heart ring velvety Lamore proper collar? Uh, so I bought, uh, we bought the suede version of that one, and then I, like, sweated through it in a matter of months, so <laughs> we had Lumo Propra make us a custom one from, uh, like, blue regular leather, not suede, um, and it's it's very, very pretty, and then I also have one that is for, like, fancier occasions, which is uh, a lock, a heart-shaped lock that has been engraved with the word daddies, and I wear that on a chain, and it's nice because, like, I can wear that with a fancy dress to a you know formal event and nobody will really notice it that much or comment on it but I can still feel like I have my collar on yeah yeah it's kind of vanilla passing it looks like a locket or something right yeah 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 very nice Mm -hmm. so um I love that you mentioned protocol I think protocol is like the most important thing to kind of get an understanding of when you're entering a DS dynamic, specifically a 24-7 type dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, what are? Can you kind of talk to me a little bit more about what types of protocol you can do from far away? Because I think, um, you know, people that are familiar with protocol, you know, might be like familiar with, oh, when I come home for the day, maybe you're kneeling in this spot for me mm-hmm. or, you know, things like that that are kind of more physical. Mm-hmm. So maybe you can talk about how uh, how you do protocol from far away from each other. Yeah, I mean, I think a big one for us that a lot of other people could also do is asking permission or requiring permission for certain things um, mm. and this does kind of require that um, both partners be fairly attached to their phones because like if you need to ask permission to use the bathroom and your partner's in a two-hour long business meeting like that's I mean maybe you're yep. into that but like I think for a lot of people <laughs> that wouldn't work um, yes but like for example like if my partner sends me a gift in the mail I have to ask permission to open it Um, and I often ask for permission to, I have to ask for permission to take my collar off, which usually, uh, is at the end of a work day when I've like completed all my tasks. Um, so that just gives me a sense of like giving over power and control to someone, even though they're far away, which is, uh, very, very doable, even at a distance. Yeah. Um, I like that you brought up, you know, it may not always be because you're not in the same room with each other you don't know what the other person is doing in their daily life when you're Mm -hmm. kind of requesting something or asking something Mm -hmm. um because that's so true you know like maybe I'm getting down to you know masturbate and take some lewds and they're somewhere doing something where they can't really like talk me off via text or you know, receive a nude, like maybe mm-hmm. they're somewhere where that's not super appropriate or they don't have time to do that or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that really, uh, that's understandable for me. Um, yeah. And, and something, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Go on. If you I, had think, a, I think it's a thought. It, yeah. I think that's one of the reasons that it's helpful, uh, if you're comfortable, uh, sharing calendars with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't necessarily have to, but it can help you sync up on some of this stuff because, like, if I can see on my partner's calendar that they're in a meeting, then maybe I'm not going to get quite as anxious that they're not answering my amazing nude. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. so it's, and then also, like, they know when to text me encouraging things. Like, if I'm, you know, doing a podcast with a guest I'm nervous about, they can say, like, have a good show, you're going to be great, or whatever, which also just creates more of that, like, intimacy and entanglement in each other's lives that you would have if you lived together but without needing to actually live together yeah that's nice knowing each other's schedule I totally Mm -hmm. get how that can be very helpful when you're when you're doing protocol-y type stuff Mm -hmm. um have you ever do you have experience with ever doing things 
um, I want to say like daily tasks and types of protocol that are reliant like on time like at mm. this time every day you do things do you find stuff like that helpful or not helpful I think the main thing I do that's like that is I keep a to-do list every day or basically every weekday, uh, which is in a note on my notes app, which my partner has access to. And um, it's cute because like I'll write what I have to do for the day, like answer emails, record a podcast, edit another podcast, whatever. And then my partner will add little emojis after each one to kind of acknowledge and like sign off on having seen them. And then I'll check them off during the day and it's, it's really good for DS in particular because like I feel like it gives my partner a sense of where I'm at and how much I've accomplished so they know if they need to uh, like swoop in with a little bit of encouragement, maybe a little incentive to get some stuff done and they know if mm. they need to reward me for having gotten everything done. Um, so it just gives them like a, a really quick overall picture of like how I'm doing that day and uh, and that helps them support me as a dominant. Yeah. Um, and something that kind of, I thought of while you were saying that, like, um, what happens, say if, okay, you're kind of sharing your to-do list with your dominant, with your partner, um, but for whatever reason, you're just not able to have a productive day that day. Like maybe Mm -hmm. you really overshot it with this to-do list Mm -hmm. and, you know, for example, the dominant seeing that you're not doing the things on the list and getting a punishment for it may not be helpful for you. It may just be the, what you do need is the opposite, probably. Right. Um, or or to be allowed to take a day off from your stuff because maybe you're having a mental health day, whatever reason. Yeah. Maybe you, you have a thing to do that day that came up unexpectedly. What happens there? Yeah, uh, punishment is definitely not uh, a big thing for me. Um, It tends to just make me cry and feel like an awful person. Yeah, Um, same, same. (laughs) Yeah, so usually if I'm, like, feeling overwhelmed, which happens to me a lot because I do struggle with depression, um, sometimes I'll ask my partner to reorder my tasks the way that they think they should be ordered or to even, like, make a specific schedule for me. Like, at this time, you're going to do this one and then you'll do this and then you'll take lunch. Um, because a lot of times my feeling of overwhelm is related to kind of like executive dysfunction of like, I don't know which Mm. of these things to start with and I don't know how I'm going to get everything done. Um, and then the other thing is sometimes if it really is too much for a particular day, my partner is very good about like asking me questions to figure out which of these things actually need to get done today and which can be moved over to tomorrow. And then we just like create a little subheading in the list that's like, tomorrow or like on the weekend so that um I I do eventually get everything done but not in a way that makes me feel like I'm failing yeah or that you're pushing yourself too hard in some way to get it all done yeah yeah like it's like it's unhealthy for you to for whatever reason on whatever day to complete all these tasks that day yeah yeah. yeah. And also, like, while I'm talking about depression, another thing that's, like, yeah. more recent for us uh, as a protocol is, like, when I have a depressive spell that lasts several days, like, sometimes I just won't shower for a while. And um, my partner started um, instituting a rule that, like, if I if I get to a point where, like, I need to put showering on my to-do list, which does happen, <laughs> then uh, part of You're that... You're probably not doing super well. <laughs> yeah. But so part of that task becomes after I shower, I have to send them nudes, um, which is just kind of a win-win situation because, like, mm-hmm. um, it makes me feel like there's a purpose to me showering and there's a reason why I need to. And it also makes me feel desirable at a time when I otherwise really don't feel that way and also they get nudes so like overall just a great situation for everybody everybody's happy yeah Hey everyone, I want to tell you a little bit about our new sponsor, Hi. Now, Hi, that's H-I-I-I, is a dating app with icebreaker games and quizzes for creative, fun, and interesting people, just like yourselves. What I like about the app is that the games give you something to talk about and also show off your personality in the process, so it's a little bit like getting to know somebody over your favorite board game. 
my favorite game to play on the app is Exquisite Corpse. So that's the one where you draw a picture together. So basically every match that I get, I'm sending the first half of a drawing and I'm asking them to draw the second half for me. And you get this fun little picture. I'm absolutely obsessed with doing this. The other fun thing is that you can take a quiz that I wrote for Bedpost. It's called What Sex Toy Are You? And uh, I gotta tell you, I had a lot of fun writing it. So what you can do is go on over to HIII.com, that's HIII.com slash The Bedpost to download the app, take our quiz, and also just so they know we sent you. Oasis Aqua Lounge is a water-themed sex club located right here in Toronto at 231 Mutual Street. Oasis is inclusive of all genders and orientations and is shame-free when it comes to pleasure and play. Check them out at their website, oasisaqualounge.com. Unicorn Collaborators is the local leather business of two queer unicorns. They specialize in luxurious and colorful harnesses for all body types, and even craft non-conventional ones for your thigh, fist, or foot. Check them out at their Etsy shop under Unicorn Collaborators. Lovecrafters Toys is a non-gendered fantasy sex toy line that makes weird and wonderful dildos in the shape of tentacles, unicorn horns, mermaid tails, and more. Their high-quality silicone is hand-poured right here in Toronto. Check out their Etsy shop at Lovecrafters Toys. ComeAsYouAre.com is a trans-owned, trans-operated sex shop that also happens to be feminist and anti-capitalist. They carry only the best sex toys and want to give you the best price possible. Next time, use the coupon code BEDPOST, that's B-E-D-P-O-S-T, when checking out at ComeAsYouAre.com. Just to um, maybe let listeners know who aren't super familiar with like what both partners might get out of something like protocol, mm-hmm. are you able to speak on that a little bit? Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with um, individual personalities and motivations. And um, my partner, Matt, is um, someone who really likes uh, having control over things um overseeing things helping people succeed i mean like they're they manage people at their at their work and like this is just like something that um these traits cross over between their personal and professional lives um and so they find that the ds thing is one outlet for those motivations and um it's very interesting to me that like even if we're both having a day when we're very stressed out or sad or something them bossing me around or um, helping me get things done is often helpful for both of us because um, I feel good about it. I feel guided in this difficult moment. Um, And they also find it sometimes like comforting or helpful. Uh, It might make them feel stronger and more in control and more capable to be able to do that for me. Mm -hmm. And so it sounds like you're the, you're a perfect fit. (laughs) (laughs) yeah and I mean that's really hard to find and I feel like I hear from a lot of people who are sad and worried that they their partner and them like don't entirely agree on every single point of what they want out of DS and like Mm -hmm. that's normal that's very normal um you can definitely find ways to compromise um but also at the same time like I know that at this point I don't think I would uh be able to be in like a ds dynamic with someone who's who's ds like did not line up with mine to some extent because yeah. like it, i don't know that's just there's a certain level of incompatibility that that is just too much <laughs> yeah totally um and where did y'all meet uh how how did you find your perfect match like just out of, <laughs> out of curiosity for folks that are looking for that yeah we met on twitter um which uh, a lot of people think is strange, <laughs> but uh, I actually think it's a way better way of meeting people, um, either romantically or platonically. Um, I've met several of my closest people on there because unlike on a dating site, you're not putting up some kind of front about who you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're often being more real. I mean, obviously people do distort things on social media, but I think Twitter tends to be... Um, 
more of a picture of a person than, say, Instagram. Oh, yes. Uh, because you get a sense of their sense of humor and what they're into and what they're passionate about and uh, what they hate. And, you know, just like a yeah. lot of you learn a lot. I, and I'm um, so happy that Twitter happens to be the one platform where sex workers can do stuff because I love Twitter yeah. as a platform for all of those reasons. Like, even though my account technically is like a professional doming account, I still really think that it's uh, great for showing off my real personality and like, you know, all the little yeah. different facets of my personality. I'm free to do that on that uh, platform. So I'm like very lucky that, that that happens to be the platform that will allow me to like promote my dommy stuff because it just, I, I appreciate it for all those reasons. Yeah. And you're, you're amazing at Twitter and your Twitter presence Aww. is really like strong and inspirational. And I think it, it, is probably very helpful for a lot of clients who like are nervous and like want to know that the dom that they're going to go see is like fun and friendly and mm. won't judge them. And, you know, and I think that that really comes through in your tweets. Oh, thank you so much. Um, <laughs> so talking about uh, continuing our, our, this topic of being compatible um, and protocol uh, mm-hmm. specifically from being long distance, do you ever, mm. Is there are there times where you have where you check in about your protocol, um, like you know to reevaluate or just to kind of talk about whether okay so we do this thing every day at this time let's say is mm-hmm. it is there a time where you ever come together be it remotely or in person where you talk about whether things are still working or you'd like to add something or change something anything like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, we do have a list of questions that we work through as like a relationship check-in. Um, we originally planned to do them every two weeks, and we have been slacking on that. <laughs> but um, it's I think it's a really good habit to get into. And the questions in our list, some of them are sex or kink related, and some of them are just more general relationship questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, definitely one of them is like, how is RDS working? How is our protocol working? Is there anything you want to add or change? Is there anywhere where like, uh, I want my partner to have more control over my life or less control? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really interesting to have those discussions be uh, scheduled rather than just something that you have when you think of something that you want to say, because if you're put on the spot to actually think about it, mm-hmm you might come up with things that you wouldn't have otherwise thought of. Like, you might be like, well, now that you mention it, like, this actually isn't working so great or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's great. It, it just helps keep things uh, going smoothly. Yeah. And is that something you do remotely or you tend to do together? We, I think, have only ever done that over the phone, mm-hmm. um, which probably works better for me because I often end up, like, crying during these conversations yeah, it's not yeah. because my partner is like mean to me or anything sad it's happening just, usually it's, it's hard just like and it's, it's intense yeah mm. yeah so I I kind of like that we don't have to look at each other during those usually because I that's like another level of like um self-consciousness and I feel like that would uh inhibit me from being able to like truly say all the stuff I need to say so it's that's like in this case, a plus of an LDR, I guess. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Is there, you know, are there ways that you do find being long distance advantageous? I know you're a writer, for example. So I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm fathoming that it might be a really good, like sexting or texting might be a really good platform for you. Like you may find it (laughs) better than, you know, talking or being in the same room face to face. Is that, is that true for you? Well, interestingly, um, we actually don't do a lot of sexting. We used to when we first started dating, and then we kind of, like, discovered phone sex, and we're like, nope, doing this now forever. Um, But I think, like, for me, the biggest advantages have been related to being depressed and being an introvert, because Mm -hmm. I know from past experience dating people who live where I live, um, if I'm having a depressive episode, I will just see my partner less frequently Um, I will have sex less frequently, even though I know sex like helps me with that because I feel gross. I feel unattractive. I don't want to go out anywhere. I don't want to shower. I don't want to shave my legs. Um, not that you have to shave your legs for a partner, but like it does make me feel more desirable. So, uh, a lot of that is kind of taken away, um, 
when you're far apart because if we're having phone sex, my partner doesn't know that I haven't showered in two days and need to shave my legs. Like to them, I'm still like the entirely the sexy person who they remember. Um, and and I also don't have to feel like I need to do my makeup. I don't I don't even need to put pants on. I don't need to leave my house. Yeah. Um, and I can still experience like both the pleasure and the intimacy of sex, which is just really transformative and important for me. Yeah. So I love. Okay. I love that you you prefer the medium of phone. Uh, to talk to each, because I think a lot of us forget, um, you know, that these little social media machines are actually phones too, <laughs> that you can talk to people on if you so choose. Um, yeah, well, I should note when I say phone sex, mm-hmm. I actually am referring mostly to FaceTime audio. Great. Which uh, I would recommend over the phone if you can, or like Skype audio even, or like whatever yeah. internet enabled audio medium, because the quality is higher, which we have learned in phone sex is important because if you can hear the way someone is breathing oh, yeah. and like very small, minute changes like that, like you can have a greater sense of like what's going on for them, which is very important. Oh yeah, you can hear the size, the changes in breath, the moans, the yeah. groans. That's like where it's at when you're talking yeah. about like audio porn. You gotta get the qu- yeah. yeah, gotta have the quality because all that is like. Oh, the, all those little nuggets are just so tasty. Um, <laughs> that's one thing actually I don't like about doing professional phone sex work is the calls are usually such low quality that you can <laughs> barely fucking hear them, let alone like mm-hmm. hear small nuanced stuff like that. So I love, right. I-, I love that you have, um, that you have that, uh, tip for people. That's great. Um, <laughs> okay. So, well, so phone sex. Okay. I happen to know that you get into uh, a very cool kink most of the time when you're doing <laughs> phone sexy times. Would you love mm-hmm. to, would you love to, <laughs> <laughs> would you like to tell people a bit about what types of kinks you generally get up to when you are, are doing stuff on the phone with your partner? Yeah, I mean, surprisingly, there's a lot you can do. Um, I know that you have had my partner on before to talk about erotic hypnosis. Uh And yeah, and that is, um, I mean, I've gone super in depth on on that on like many other things. So like, I, I don't, I don't really like probably need to go do it again especially since you did such a great episode with Matt about it but um that is a kink that is like very easy to do long distance because all you really need is your voice and your words um and and with that you can do like hypno bondage um you can mess with arousal levels you can make touch feel more real so like it really opens up a lot of opportunities uh, as far as LDR sex goes um Another one that we do a lot is impact, uh, which is uh, controversial because some people say that you shouldn't hit yourself um, either because it could be dangerous or it could be uh, kind of a self-harm impulse or something like that. But um, my partner and I do it in a way where they will pick the implement, they will tell me an intensity, like I want you to start hitting yourself at a two out of 10. Mm And then they will say the word now every time they want me to hit myself. Mm-hmm. So um, that now that we're very well practiced at that, that feels to me almost like an in-person impact scene because like my hand responds to their words very quickly um, so that sometimes it doesn't even feel like I'm hitting myself. Interesting. And uh, I'm still like getting my um, submissive joys out of like following directions and uh, and that's very fun. Yeah, I am. I'm. I'm currently. I, well, I currently just submitted an article that's uh, called uh, "Keeping Keeping Kinky in Quarantine" <laughs> uh, <laughs> to the the Ritual Chamber blog, um, and that was something that I talked about. Um, the The header was "Remote Control Toys," but what I got to um, was that you know you don't need a high tech toy. Um, you can have any, you know, any lo-fi toy, non-tech toy that you have around and you, then you just use the sub as the remote and you can, (laughs) and exactly how you were describing, like they can, the top or the dom can determine the intensity, the frequency, like of Mm -hmm. literally anything you're doing or holding, 
um, or inserting or inflating (laughs) or shocking or like on and on, right? They can just be, um, you know, maybe it's more effective than those Bluetooth vibes that are so, so glitchy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And this is also where it's nice to be in like more of a long term thing, because over time, you get to know what your partner's responses sound like. And so like, um, my partner can definitely tell if I'm not fucking myself as hard as they would be if they were here. So they can just tell me harder. (laughs) And then the experience is more like in person sex for both of us. That's really <laughs> funny. They they can tell <laughs> that you're not. <laughs> oh, that's that's great. I love it. <laughs> yeah, and like the, an interesting thing too is like they can make me squirt from far away because wow. like they are very familiar with like what I sound like when I'm about to getting close to that. <laughs> yeah, and like what needs to happen, and like I I can like pretty competently make myself squirt, but like um. I I don't know. It's it's really wild that they can make me squirt from 500 miles wow. away. Wow. <laughs> and do you think that would be able to happen? Say if you were in an LDR where you really had very limited time together. Maybe you only see each other in person like a couple times a year. Or maybe mm-hmm. you had, you know, a month or a few months of dating and then had to and then moved and mm-hmm. may, we're still, um, you know, in a relationship from two different places, and you maybe didn't have access to each other really ever. Mm-hmm. Do you think you could still build, like, you know, this sexual chemistry, this kinky chemistry that you two seem to have? Do you think that is possible for people that are in those positions? I think so. I I do think it depends very much on what type of person you are, though, because, like, whenever I talk about this stuff online, I do hear from a lot of people who are like, oh, like, I could never get into phone sex. Like, it just doesn't feel the same to me. It just isn't as satisfying, isn't as exciting or as immersive. Um, And, like, certainly you can work on those things and, and try to improve your ability to, like, immerse in those situations. But, like, there are some people who just don't like it, can't get into it, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, I will say, like, phone sex and in-person sex, um, both of those can, like, give you information that will be helpful when you're doing the other one. Um, so it kind of goes both ways. Like, when my partner and I first had sex in person for the first time, Mm -hmm. we had already been sexting and having phone sex for, like, a month. Mm -hmm. Um, so they were already, like, familiar-ish with, like, what I sounded like at different points in the arousal process or like what kinds of words and phrases turn me on and stuff like that so it was definitely like the best first time I've ever had with someone which is basically because it wasn't really a first time yeah that's another thing that's happening with me right now actually like uh right before the we decided to do this isolation thing uh I had we, I had just made a date with somebody that we had to cancel, unfortunately, right, mm-hmm. because of all of this. So we've yeah. been talking on the phone, and it's interesting because, like, who knows what's going to happen with this. It's obviously very new. But, mm-hmm. you know, say we have, like, weeks on the phone with each other leading up to a first time where we would be alone together doing a scene or doing or having sex. Um mm-hmm. You know, I imagine that would just inform you so much, Uh, even just like the whole, their whole, all the psychology surrounding their kinks, like you're going to have all that knowledge. So (laughs) I 100% agree with you. I'm like, if you're, if you're on the phone with somebody for weeks and weeks beforehand, the first time happens, it's probably going to be a hell of a lot better than, you know, usual first time sex, which is not usually not the best, (laughs) in my opinion, anyways, in my experience, anyways. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I, there's some risks of that, uh, of this type of thing, especially if you like, haven't met in person yet. Yeah, which like a lot of people are worried about, like, what if I meet them, and I'm just not attracted to them, which is really one of those strange things about our species that like, you can look at pictures online of someone and think that they're cute. And you can talk to them on the phone and think that they sound cute and smart and everything. And then maybe you meet them in person and something pheromonally or with their mannerisms or whatever is just like not doing it for your energy and yeah yeah and that definitely does happen but it kind of raises the question of like if you had never met that person 
uh, and had just kept up your your phone relationship, like, would that have been ultimately, like, more fulfilling mm. to you? I don't know. That's very interesting indeed. Wow. <laughs> okay. I have a couple questions from uh, the Instagrams and the Twitters Okay. for you, if you would like to address these. We'll see... Uh, mm-hmm. um, We'll see how good they are. Okay. Mm-hmm. Jay Corman 85 from Instagram asks, I have an LDR with another switch. So we have mm-hmm. two switches, I guess. How do we keep it hot in quarantine? Very general question. But are you able to speak on being switchy? Because you're a little switchy, are you not? Uh, a little bit. A little yeah. bit. Um, I would I've say heard, I'm probably... I've heard you're topping some hypno scenes. That's on my <laughs> yeah. radar. Yeah, I would say like I'm I'm definitely like more toppy than I am dommy, gotcha, I guess. Gotcha, if yeah. I could make a distinction there. But yeah, yeah, I'm I'm mostly a sub and a bottom. But um I think an interesting thing for um switches talking on the phone or on Skype or whatever is to have different names or honorifics that you use when you're in different roles so Love that you that. can communicate that yeah because like when you're in person you might have like kind of subtle like body language shifts that could communicate that um but like for example i have a friend who uh does role plays with her partner of these ongoing characters um and in one of them she's like an older woman figure and in another one she's like a younger woman like a young naive woman and she has two different like female names that she has picked out for each of those personas and either of them using those names just kind of like signals to the other one like this is what we're doing now (sighs) and of course like if you if you're not feeling it at that moment you can always like back out of that but I think that that's a really helpful cue oh my god I love it totally love it (laughs) okay uh red tongued raven on Instagram who is actually a lovely burlesque dancer I've had at the show she's fantastic she asks Mm -hmm. um we kind of covered this but maybe we could go into it a little more specifically here how do people with a love language like physical touch make an LDR work long term yeah um I consider physical touch to be maybe my second most important love language after words of affirmation yeah um and and like words being so high for me is probably a big reason why this has worked well for me um but definitely you can do self-touch in a way that is directed by a partner's instructions or even by them just describing how they would be touching you Mm -hmm. if they were there and you can just kind of follow that with your hands um it's uh it, it probably takes a little bit of practice for that to start to feel uh natural and like they're actually touching you but yeah. i think with practice um it it does get easier and it does start to feel more real especially if you are also practicing uh imagining and fantasizing mm-hmm. at the same time and um you know maybe like blindfold yourself maybe do um other things to sort of make it feel a little more special like lighting incense or changing the lighting so that like the vibe is a little more sexy yeah um i think that that can help create a context where your own touch can feel like it's not your own touch yeah amazing um okay i have a very rude comment that is not a question um (laughs) but they're basically saying i'm not gonna repeat it because it's rude um however um it's basically saying that that LDRs suck essentially is the comment. But what I'm curious about uh, when I uh-huh. when I read that, because what I want to ask them is like, what happened to you? Obviously, <laughs> like, right? Who hurt you? <laughs> <laughs> who hurt you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But maybe what we could do is talk about like. Um, you know, some of maybe the stigmas of LDRs and why those, um, mm-hmm. you know, are untrue or how, how you can work to, uh, you know, make the opposite happen. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, a big one that I struggled with, especially early in my relationship, is the fear that other people in my life would not view it as a legitimate relationship. Right. Um, Which I think in my case was like pretty unfounded. Like that anxiety seemed to live mostly inside my own head. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did find it helpful to like introduce my partner to people in my life and vice versa when we were together. And um, like in person, like, yeah. uh, Or even like, 
you know, sometimes I've been on the phone with my partner and my brother comes in if I'm staying at my parents' house and the three of us will just, like, have a conversation on the phone as if we were just hanging Aww. out. So, um, yeah, like, kind of integrating them into your life, even though they live far away, like, it can be hard, but it is possible. Yeah. Um, I also think there's... Uh, there's a lot of stigma about, like, whether... And LDR uh, would continue to work if you were to live close together. Like, there are a lot of people who say, like, you should never move in with someone who you've only been in an LDR with because, like, you don't know um, if you're actually compatible in person. Um, And, like, there's, like, some truth to that. Like, me and my partner have been trying to do some longer stays together to try to test that, like, day-to-day compatibility because it is a very different situation to sort of be in vacation brain and go see someone for a weekend and just do fun things. And it's just a different vibe from like, if they're next to you on the couch doing their work in their pajamas, you know, it's just a different situation. So, um, I think it's good to test out how your relationship works in different contexts, especially if you're hoping to make it no longer an LDR. Yeah, totally. Um, is there ever, I think one of the other stigmas is that you, that they're probably cheating. They're probably seeing other people. They're probably, Mm. you know, they could be telling you anything because, you know, they're just doing it through text or whatever. Do you have anything to say about that? Um, I mean, like like that you'll never really know what's going on over there, you know? Yeah. I, I think my opinion on that is basically like that could also be true of anyone you were seeing in any context. Yeah. Um, because anyone can tell you anything via text or email or even when you see them in person and you don't really ever know if anyone is telling the truth. Um, and that's just kind of a, a facet life, of humanity. Baby. Like, yeah, this is just like a philosophy lecture now. But um, <laughs> But so like what you have to do is just like like trust like work on trust um which is true in any relationship and like yeah maybe my partner is like cheating on me when they're not texting me but like I think I know them and I think I know that they're not so it's like you know it's I feel like maybe the problem is that it's harder to build up that trust in an LDR because like it can be easier to feel like you can believe someone when they're telling it to your face um Mm -hmm. but uh I still think you can you can do it. It just might take longer or take a different form. Yeah, totally. Um, And last question from the socials. This Mm -hmm. is from at on queer street on Twitter. Do Mm -hmm. you think being in an LDR means NRE can sometimes last longer? What are the pros and cons of this? So new relationship energy. Yes. Yeah. This is actually a longstanding theory of mine yeah um, oh yeah because yeah. I yeah I definitely experienced that um and uh I am a person who has a lot of NRE when I first start dating people like I am very obsessive I want to constantly <laughs> be journaling about them and telling my friends about them and yeah. seeing them and talking to them um and I was noticing in my current relationship that this went on for like many more months than it usually does yeah. Um, to the point that I was like kind of exhausting myself. Like I was <laughs> crying and laughing and fantasizing so much that I was just sort of walking around in a daze. Like I, I really wasn't like accomplishing very much or like, very funny. I, I don't know. It was just, it was just a, a weird period of my life. Um, and, and my theory on this is that like, if there is some kind of chemical component to NRE, whether it's related to pheromones or neurotransmitters or I I don't know whatever it is like I think seeing the person spread out so much like that over a long period of time just gives you like smaller bursts of that rather than having it like kind of all up front so that uh it's just you just get a longer I mean I don't know if this is true of everybody probably not but like I certainly found it it stretched out my NRE and um as far as pros and cons like (laughs) pros it's really fun to be an nre like it is um, yeah yeah and and it can really like create a sense of connection especially if you're both in it at the same time and in the same ways um cons are like all the cons that always exist with nre like you might um annoy your friends (laughs) (laughs) 
you might um, forget to do work that's important or kind of like ignore your friends even. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's essentially like being in an altered state. Kind so, of, isn't it? Yeah. That's... Yeah. It's kind of equivalent to if you're walking around drunk, but if that if that was more socially acceptable to do just like throughout your day, it's like <laughs> you just, you might not be super fun to be around all the time and you might not get everything done that you mean to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> It's kind of it's kind of a toss up. I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of interesting how you're talking about uh, during the part where you're saying that it lasts longer because maybe it's more spread out uh, between yeah. the times you see the person. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's very similar. And I guess now that I'm thinking about it, it, being poly with people who have other partners is kind of like being in an LDR because you kind of have to you know, like for, like, maybe not the best words, but like, wait for your time in the rotation to when you can see (laughs) them. So you're, you're not going to be able to just date them, you know, go on a bunch of dates in a couple weeks, and that be really a really fun LDR honeymoon phase. (laughs) Like you won't, you'll see them once and then maybe, you know, you they're busy with doing all their other life stuff and being with their other partners. And maybe you won't be able to see them again for two weeks and then maybe another two Mm -hmm. weeks. So maybe, you know, three months down the line, you've only been on like five dates. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sounds a lot like math. I'm not, don't nobody double check that, but (laughs) just that, you know, that kind of honeymoon NRE, it's kind of similar, isn't it? That it's really just spread out. Right. Right. And then also, like, depending on living arrangements and relationship agreements, maybe you can only hook up when you have a hotel room or go. when someone happens to have a room free. So it's like, yeah. there's also that vacation brain element sometimes. Yeah, 100%. Um, is there anything you would like to leave people on? Maybe something that we didn't get to that you feel like is important to tell people about LDRs, especially with what's happening now in the world? Oh, I guess one thing that we didn't talk about that um, I think is actually like part of the sort of bread and butter of my LDR, and I think it is for a lot of other people too, is watching things together um, or or just like more generally like consuming media together. Um, Like my partner and I will sometimes like do a countdown to sync up something on Netflix that we want to watch together and we'll be on the phone while we're watching it. Or um, they will read to me from a book. So, like, they may read me, like, a chapter of a book, like, uh, once a week for a while. Or um, they'll often read articles to me over the phone or we'll listen to podcasts together. And it's, like, that is another one of those things that if you lived together or were hanging out together, you might just casually do. And in LDRs, that often can fall by the wayside and it doesn't have to. And that can be super fun. Yeah, I love that because I think when a lot of people think of LDRs, it's like, okay, you're talking to the person a lot, but that's not Mm -hmm. what relationships are like. You're not just talking right. 100% of the time, you know? <laughs> you're doing things together. You're consuming media. You're watching TV. You're eating mm-hmm. together, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. So it's important and to kind of do like, those things, do those things as well as talk. Yeah. And, and I would say also, like, it's it's nice to plan dates that are date-y rather than just being um, you lying in bed talking on the phone. Like, that's great. Do that as much as you want. But um, I I always really appreciate when we're able to do, like, date dates. Like, uh, we can't do this anymore right now, but um, we used to, like, we would get dressed up and go to restaurants in our respective cities and talk on the phone while we were eating our dinner. Um, and And that's nice. I mean, you can still do that while you're hanging out at home. You can just, like, put on a really cute or fancy outfit, send each other pictures, make a fancy meal. Maybe even you make the same meal in your separate houses. Um, I think that this gives it, yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah, Just get the date vibes going. And I think it creates a sense of like specialness and uh, togetherness that sometimes can be missing. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I love that so much. Kate, you've been absolutely fantastic. I'm sure so many people (laughs) are going to get so much out of this. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. I hope so. Aww. Would you like to let the people know where they can consume all your media with you? <laughs> 
Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, I have a blog at girlyjuice.net. That's G-I-R-L-Y-J-U-I-C-E.net. Um, and that's about sort of sex, kink, dating, uh, fashion, beauty, just a bunch of stuff. Um, if you're looking for something to read for a long time, I've been doing that blog for almost eight years. So there's a lot of wow, stuff on congrats. there. congrats. Thank you. Um, and I'm on Twitter and Instagram at girly underscore juice. And I co-host two podcasts, uh, which we're hopefully going to continue to do during this situation. Yeah. Um, one of them is called The Dildorks, and it's about sex, dating, and masturbating, and also, like, a lot of kink and just pervy shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a good time. And then the other one is called Question Box, which is the game show podcast of shockingly personal questions. Um I th- have you guessed it on both? No, you haven't been on the Dildorks, Not on the Dildorks, but Question Box was so fun. I love that podcast. Congrats on that, honestly. It's so great. And Brent is so funny. It's really well yeah. done. Yeah, I'm very lucky to have two very excellent podcast co-hosts. Yes, but Bex so, like, is amazing too, yes. Yeah, there's a lot of episodes of both of those. So if you, <laughs> again, if you need something to just like binge listen to, yeah. like we got you. <laughs> totally love it and of course um the uh the bed post show uh you may assume at this point it is on hiatus obviously the stage show until further notice you know maybe the fall who knows yeah who can say with what's happening but you can follow me on twitter yes it's my pro dommy twitter but as we mentioned uh you know it's a lot of slice of life stuff too i'm at the lady pim at the lady pim one on twitter uh pim.lady on instagram and the bedpost podcast on instagram and of course you can always email me at the bedpost sex show at gmail.com the original music you are hearing on the podcast is by my good friend stephanie copeland you can find out more about her at stephcopelandmusic.com we have a patreon here at the podcast as well it is the bed the bedpost show on patreon and the bedpost sex show on youtube we're doing this really fun sex toy review series that will also be on hiatus due to the uh the strict social (laughs) isolation that i am (laughs) currently following but actually um during this time i'm going to be receiving a whole new batch of fun sexy products and will continue that as soon as it's safe to so one (laughs) huge last thank you to my lovely guest kate sloan thank you so much kate honestly thank you for having me always a pleasure and i'll try not to wait so long before having you on the podcast again (laughs) and i won't bug i won't be bugging you until at least the fall to do a music set at the bedpost stage so so don't worry about it (laughs) thanks everybody for listening uh we'll see you next time on the bedpost podcast with another amazing guest talking about sex and sexuality bye bye This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar!